0: Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe it. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles. Welcome to all my listeners out there in, Cal- in Radioland. I was going to say California, but we're nationwide, we're worldwide. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, former mayor of a California beach town and best-selling author, Debbie Peterson, also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks, global and audio like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, and the list goes on and on. And in fact, we're so proud to be voted number one podcast of the top 50 on Play or FM, number two caregiver podcast on Spot out of the top 60, and number two out of uh, the top, I don't know what, uh, CaringVillage.com. <laughs> and we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Certified nutritionist Amy Fox is on a mission to educate everyone about how our food choices affect our health and happiness. And Amy holds a Master of Science in Food and Nutrition sciences, Sciences and is a certified functional food professional, and she's the founder of mood and mood lab so she is an expert and she knows what she's talking about and we're going to listen very intently but before we get started i want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest john suzuki caregiver to his dementia ridden mom or former caregiver i should say and just a reminder you can watch or listen to that interview or all our interviews on our membership website caregiverdave.com or any of our other 26 global audio and video networks that i mentioned earlier all right, enough of that. Amy, so <laughs> great to have you on the Caregiver Dave show.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. And oh, your show so is near and dear to my heart. So um, I really? love the focus and what you're trying. You, it is, You're yes. a
0: listener? You're a, a viewer?
1: Uh, yeah, and I just, I, I can relate. I've uh, been a caregiver myself and um, and just understand um what that's all about. So thriving or and surviving as a caregiver is um, definitely something I know that I was um, pretty challenged with myself. So
0: you're a member of a very elite group. Uh, My co host Debbie was a caregiver to her mother as well. I like to say if you aren't a caregiver or you weren't a caregiver, just wait, you are going to become a caregiver. One day it's inevitable. Everyone is going to experience that. So um, I like to ask my first-time guest just who is Amy Fox and why does she think she was placed on this earth? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, um, I've had this passion for uh, just healthy habits and um, nutrition and healthy mindset for, for decades. And I've been in the world of consulting for quite a long time. I've owned a business and just informally on the side, um, have just explored it and wanted to keep learning more. And I, I formalized that a few years ago when I got my degree. Um, but so of my, my, my roots go way back to when I was an adolescent. I, um, I joke around and people ask, you know, how'd you get into this? I almost got kicked out of high school for refusing to go to gym class. And did never even think about what went in my mouth and just was um, yeah. having fun as a teen. And then I had to be serious. So I didn't get kicked out. And I, um, I ended up uh, going to gym class and starting to love it. And what I noticed is um, as I got a little more active, the other healthy habits followed. And I started to feel good and just not just in my own skin, but I also started to feel more self-confidence. And so those habits stuck with me in college and beyond. And just, again, that's all really what was really fueling my initial reasons for pursuing, um, health and nutrition. But my mom is really the heart of the matter. My mother, um, lived with type one diabetes for 70 years. And, um, I saw her ultimately uh, pass away from that and just saw her always, um, not understanding how to use food to help her with her diseases, because it always came down to a lot of times, especially with diabetes, and and then her kidneys and heart, all these situations and um, circumstances that came up from her disease. It was she'd meet with nutritionists and dietitians, and she never quite understood it. And I just saw her struggle with trying to put the pieces together, and I i That's really what drove me to want to um help people and help people to cut through all of the chaos and confusing information and to simplify things and just help people to understand how to how to use nutrition to feel good and um and so really that's that's the that's the background
0: Wow, debbie, you want to ask our guest the first question?
2: Yeah, that's a really powerful story. Uh, You you recently founded the Food and Mood Lab. Now we know why. How are you (laughs) using this then to educate people about how food
1: choices affect health and happiness? yeah I mean my my whole mission and it has been for two years since I started the company is really to to um, to educate and create awareness in fun and simple ways so I'm telling stories I'm sharing expertise and breaking it down in very just practical simple ways and so I um, contribute to many publications I share videos and blogs um, I actually just wrote a blog today about powering up your lunches and how the right lunch gives you lasting energy. So my mission is to really to provide value in a way that is authentic and simple, practical. Just want to help people feel good. So right now, um, I'm just trying to share as much as I can and listen. Uh, People out there have a lot of great questions. So as much as I'm sharing, I'm also trying to hear what people want to know more about.
0: Wow. She wrote a book today, <laughs> probably during lunch hour. <laughs>
2: Can you give us an example of, 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 of a food that affects our mood or the way a way in which food affects our mood. Mm.
1: Oh yes. And by the way, you'll have to cut me off when I talk too much because I, this is, I'm so passionate about it, but um <laughs> You know, the other thing that might be important to know is that I'm also a mom of three teenage boys and I'm an endurance athlete and I'm also a middle aged woman. I just I just turned 50 last week. So oh, wow. um, I've got all of these you know these uh, these factors in my life that really drive a lot of the topics because um, I'm t- I uh, too I'm challenged with juggling life. I'm busy with kids. I'm also concerned about my longevity now. And when we I think after forty and after we start to ask ourselves, hmm, how well, might I you know feel good or what about all those things I'm reading about or even how do I try to have a glowing complexion i mean all of these things you start to really care about but as it relates to um mood food and mood and um it was really important to me to focus on how you feel and um that first is uh i think where the energy needs to go first and foremost is just identifying like how do how do you want to feel today because when you start to feel something different everything else follows, you start to act differently. And so it starts with your first meal of the day, whenever that may be, and making protein the focus. In fact, um, protein at every meal or snack, and the reasons are when we choose to have protein with that healthy carb or with the other components of your meal, what we end up doing is choosing foods, a combination of foods that allow us to keep our blood sugar stable. And that's really the name of the game for a lot of things. But as it relates to energy, that's what helps you to avoid the energy energy crashes. It the hang, feeling hangry, having those snack attacks in the afternoon, but it starts um, in the morning. And, um, and so that's one way that food can impact our mood is through how it's impacting our blood sugar, but there's a lot of other ways, many other ways I should say, um, that influence our gut and some of the chemicals that get released when we eat certain foods. Um, so that's a little bit around that topic, but I'd love to talk more, but I know that we have a limited time.
0: Yeah. You know, um, I agree with you about protein because most people do not get enough protein. I wasn't. And so I went on keto um, and modified keto, more like, uh, you know, low carbs, high fat, uh, high protein, because um, a lot of the times I'm eating too many carbs. You know, I'm eating too much Mm -hmm. bread and I'm gaining weight and stuff like that. So now, you know, my weight's under control. I eat, you know, enough protein to... Uh, they say as many grams as pounds that you weigh so that's a good mm-hmm. um you know thing so what's your opinion about uh, keto i mean you go on the internet and half of the people think it's terrible and dangerous <laughs> and the other half think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread what do you believe
1: you know i i believe there's a lot of value in keto but if i click up a few levels i mean my my perspective is that it's a really personalized decision and i think uh, if i'm really cutting through all of the noise as i try to say about what i like to share i think that again for the general population some people l- truly need a type of keto diet because of a condition that they have so i'm speaking just generally i think that diets are are wrong to begin with to be honest with you i think that if if majority of people were eating more protein uh they were you know cutting out the processed foods just making some simple choices likely any diet would work um, but keto in particular i think has a lot of value i just think it's it's a personalized decision there isn't a one size fits all and um and um you know, I don't think it's the keto diet in particular, but it's the fad diets and it's all of the noise surrounding all of the quick fixes and other um, interesting little hacks that sometimes people that make it harder for people to um, just make the right choices. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'm directly answering the question. I think that keto has its place, but I do I'm think really that intrigued. It, yeah.
2: I'm very intrigued by your comment about protein in the morning because I've observed myself that if I eat protein in the morning, even on its own or with a good carbohydrate, a piece of fruit, then Mm -hmm. I feel good. And if I just eat carbohydrates, I do not feel good. I'm sluggish. I'm tired. I'm cranky. And, you know, I... Most often people are offering you carbs for breakfast, the continental breakfast. So when I go stay with people, (laughs) I really struggle because I can't get my protein for breakfast. I have to take my own breakfast usually. And so I'm so relieved. And when I say to them, I have to eat protein for breakfast, I just don't feel good. They kind of look at me like I'm crazy.
1: (laughs) So I'm glad to hear someone agree with me on that. 100%. Hundred percent. I think it's probably especially important for your caregivers to understand that because mm, yeah. they're probably in situations where they have to get grab-and-go type of foods, and it's also like when we eat carbs, we get this initial uh, sugar rush, and it feels good, but that's such a, a quick fix, and it doesn't last. And you know, oh, yeah. I just think of caregivers as um, emergency personnel. Type of people you need to feel good, you need to be on your game, you need to have some have continued energy you need, need to have that mental clarity and focus and so um, it, and i I also have to share if there's caregivers out there who are parents um, you know it's hard to sometimes walk the walk with your family because I have a child who just doesn't eat a lot. He's on some medication that makes him not have an appetite, uh, and so whatever he's willing to eat in the morning, it's like you want that pop tart. He's going to eat. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's sometimes really challenging to carry out carry carry that through. Whether you just don't have the time, so um, that's really where I like to come in. I like to share ideas on how to simplify it. I mean. Uh, and, and make it easy to have those healthy protein-based options available, so that you're you have you you've kind of thought through what those scenarios may be, and you've got it ready.
0: Yeah, and you know you talk about emotions because emotions are so tied to our eating habits. You know, if your boyfriend and girlfriend break break up with you, you know, the, the, the next thing you know, you're eating a gallon of ice cream. Uh, yeah, because you're an emotional overeater, or whatever. And then alcohol comes into the picture as well. Some people mm-hmm. instead of the ice cream, they'll go you know drink a six pack of beer or you know a couple of bottles of wine. How does that all fit in?
1: I think it's a great I think it's a, a really important point because really what you're talking about whether it's binging on ice cream or cracking open a bottle of wine is we are dealing with our emotions so it really has nothing to do with hunger and really nothing to do with a nutritional need and it's an inside job and so a lot of times when i'm working with people and again no matter what the uh, what the vice may be what the um just what the what what need a, a certain scrolling on social media, whatever the fix might be, um, we've got to talk through, we've got to think through what what are the underlying emotions that you're dealing with and get curious, really curious about how you're handling those. So the minute someone's willing to be curious and pause for even a, a, a second and start to ask themselves, is this really true for me? Will that glass of wine? How do I feel fifteen minutes after I have the ice cream? So if I'm if I've got someone that's willing to open their mind and think about those triggers and start to learn from those data points, as I call them, they're really on the path for long term change. But again, it, alcohol it, you've picked is a highly addictive a substance um, that we just have to be very we have to be aware of. That, uh, that's ne- not necessarily, uh, and understand that it might be a quick fix, but um, fast forward that tape to see and really understand the truth behind that and how you feel um, usually about 10 or 20 minutes after you've had the gallon of ice cream or the mm-hmm. glass of wine.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really
1: curious. Um, one of the things that
2: you've said is that real food affects deep sleep. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, well, I think that there's, I mean, there's a... It, you know, I think an overriding principle is that we need to understand that the choices we make about food truly impact how we show up in all aspects of our life and all of the systems and the functions of of our body, including sleep. So if we choose to have a big dinner later at night, your body is a machine. It's a system. It's a factory type of uh, system where it has to process the food that you've digested. So heavier meals, it might mean that you might, um, it might disrupt your sleep. You may not have as deep of sleep. So if you're choosing to eat later at night, try to choose, try to have something that um, has less fiber um, less uh, sugar. And so we just want to lighten it up uh, before we sleep. And then there also are foods um, that can promote the production of melatonin and ser- serotonin, even trypto- you know, tryptophan. And so for choosing foods like bananas or cherries, berries, lean proteins, nuts, those types of foods have um, minerals and vitamins in them that help to promote those chemicals that can really help to promote good sleep. And, and you know, also certainly we've talked a little bit about alcohol. Um, that's a one of the biggest myths out there that a glass of wine or a glass of bourbon is going to help you sleep. Again, it might help you put you to sleep. But um, as we were talking about the body being this system, your body has to react once it's flooded with these chemicals, these toxins from alcohol, and your body is always trying to stay in homeostasis. So it's actually producing some chemicals that are stimulants. So Mm Debbie, have you ever had a glass or two of wine and then you've woken up in the middle of the night?
0: All the time. Of course.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes when we wake up, have you ever, your mind's been churning and you're Analyzing. Oh, did what did I say? Or you, you get in a hyper stimulus. That's that's not you. It is not your fault at all. It's uh, just the way of alcohol and how it works through your system. So if you're looking to get good sleep, which um, probably every everyone on the internet and social media talks about, like one of the keys to feeling good, um, there's just like you know a couple ideas. But uh, I think if you start with um, I think if you start with the reverse of where I left, if you're somebody who drinks a little bit at night, eh, just get curious about it. See what happens if you come yeah. back or you, uh, mm-hmm. remove that uh, at least hours before you go to bed and, and see how that affects your sleep.
0: So I noticed that uh, I, I'll weigh myself when I go to sleep and when I wake up in the morning and I magically lose two to three pounds when I wake up. What's going on in the body that, that where did all that way to go
1: (laughs) (laughs) well just the fluctuations of hormones and water weight and so as your body is just processing all the it's it's either being uh it's being either absorbed in your body or passed through your body either in the morning or the middle of the night so it's that it's the fluctuation of hormones and water retention that might be again being absorbed in your body or passed through your body. Yeah. It's not real weight. Let's just put it to you that way.
0: So let's talk about um, social media and the internet and, uh, you know, information. I tell you, you know, about keto, you, you get both sides of the story and they're both so passionate about it. Uh, I guess it's information. One of them is information, I guess, or maybe they're both infor- misinformation. Yeah. What, are, what are three biggest myths and how do you debunk them?
1: About Nutrition.
0: Yes. Yeah. Especially as yes. It, as it uh as it um as it relates to the internet, especially. Yeah. That people oh, go to the internet for all the answers. You know, they used to go to their mother, now they go to the internet because their mother doesn't know anything.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and just to share with you, I think some guidelines lo- uh, just some some tips. If you're trying to do some research <clears throat> that oh. can inform you about uh, choices you want to make for your health or nutrition in particular. You know, I think it just like, probably just like anything we would do to vet a person or vet some, uh, a thing, you know, just getting some diversity of opinion. And so not only every, most people, most um, people or sites or organizations will cite research. That's the thing now. Well, science says, research says, I think just understanding that, you can cherry pick any research, and it can work to your favor. So just understanding that and realizing that you should be looking at at least three points of view, and not only taking big, uh, you know, a big digital publication, but just looking at it like just getting a diverse set of opinions about the the specific question is yeah. um, is super helpful. You can even ask Chat GPT to do that for you, and they'll curate a diverse set of opinions and certainly just making sure that the um whatever you're reading that organization or that person is not backed by they did the claim um but they're they don't have an, an ulterior agenda so basic stuff but i think there, there's a way to do it you just have to be aware that um yeah if you even if you see science or research says it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the right way um and I think just, I, I know I'm a little bit on my soapbox, but I feel like one of the, um, one of, this could be one of the myths, although I have three in mind, is that there is a diet. And it's, there isn't one diet. In fact, it's a, it's, it's really, like I mentioned, a personalized um, decision. And the one diet is the one that you can stick to, period, consistently. If you can stick to a low carb, uh, all right, high carb diet even but it's healthy food and it makes you feel good. That's a that's a win, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's about what can you what is sustainable for you That's why there's so many And many of the diets, if you were to peel back the onion on this, that or the other, all have some level of benefit. Uh, so there's just a big microscope placed on certain benefits given, uh, the, you know, the organization that might be talking about it. Um, but you know, in my opinion, one of the biggest myths is that meat is bad for you. I, it really is. It's that, that has been debunked, uh, in the last several years and that the universal claim that Mm -hmm. all meat is bad and you should flip to the other side. I did that actually. I was a vegan for years because I watched all of the Netflix shows and this, that, or the other. And once I really educated myself, well, let me take a step back. I wasn't feeling good. <laughs> and that's what I think it needs to be about. And I needed to have a little more diversity in my diet. So I think it's important to understand that the quality of meat matters and processed meats are not good for you. But there's um, there's probably equally as good a research on the internet and in the world of nutrition science that supports good quality meats being a part of your diet in moderation.
0: Wow. Deb, got something?
1: Yeah.
2: I I, One of the things I love about what you're saying is that we're all individuals. So often I have people preach at me, oh, this is perfect. This is what you have to do. Well, what you have to do actually would be toxic for me. In some cases, I'm allergic to a whole lot of stuff. My doctor tells me if my blood pressure gets too low you need to eat a teaspoon more of salt every day. So, and most people at my age at 67 can't eat a teaspoon more of salt every day. It would be very bad for them. So I've got, and you know, my doctor says, I want you going out in the sun with no sunscreen for 20 minutes a day. And a lot of people believe that's not wise. So I think that it's really important that we don't try to do the one size fits all. And I really appreciate that you that you appreciate that. Um, I'm wondering, uh you cook with your teenage son. So, what? What's your favorite thing to make with your son? I had. I have a son as well, and my family loves to cook together.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's really, really cool to start to see. Uh, two of my children in particular, they're, um, they care about their health. Uh, my oldest uh, is almost 19 and my youngest is almost 16. So they're packed in there mm-hmm. and they're at a time when they're, you know, they're starting to go out on their own. So the timing's great that they're actually interested. And although whatever I say, <laughs> They have to check it with their, with their friends, but that's okay. That's part of being a team. Um, But we, we make protein bowls and I don't mean to share that because I mentioned that at the beginning, but we truly like, they are really into, we get organic grass fed bison and it's the easiest thing to meal prep. It's less than 10 minutes we brown it up and I love that I'm teaching them cause then they're cooking for me sometimes. And we're, you know, we're, we're cooking proteins like that. And sometimes we're making burgers. Um, they're always my, first test case for anything I'm trying on the kitchen they love the smoothies that I make but we we're really cooking we're making different protein bowls and it gets them trying different vegetables because we like to of course add some vegetables and a little mixture of healthy fats um, or sometimes they're bulking up and throwing it in some tortillas um, or with some whole wheat pasta so just showing them the versatility and how easy. You know, it can be it can be fast and easy. It doesn't have to be complicated uh, and take a long time.
0: You said they cook for you sometimes. What mm-hmm. is the uh, yes. favorite dish that you like that they cook?
1: Oh, let's see. Um, we just did some spaghetti. We've got some. And I, I think, by the way, I, wouldn't you think, oh, spaghetti. She was just talking about healthy. Spaghetti can be healthy. Uh, it's you know, it's about understanding labels. Or in fact, we just came back from a trip overseas and they tried out a, a homemade marinara sauce with oh. some tomatoes made from an area we were at in Italy. And um, so I got spaghetti. I, I did have it over some black bean pasta because I'm I like to make sure I'm getting my fiber in for the day, but um, yeah, it was a it was a it it would they they love. I mean, my children are all uh, love their carbs because they are active <laughs> uh, boys and play sports and stuff. But uh, yeah, they they made a homemade um, a homemade sauce for me. It was pretty cool.
0: So spaghetti is a quick meal, right? Because not everybody mm-hmm. has enough time to actually yeah. sit down and you know, like my wife will go shopping for two hours and then she'll be in the kitchen for three hours preparing. But nobody has that kind of time, do they?
1: No. Yeah, I mean, I was actually just having a call with a client. And, you know, we were um, we're, she's got some high cholesterol, looking at lower high cholesterol, and just making some healthy choices. And I was sharing with her, I'm like, we're not how you can have food in your pantry that can be healthy. And you can have healthy pastas. Um, Look at the fiber, folks. And look at the protein in the pot pasta there's like that pasta aisle has gotten really big um so look at the label but uh, a good quality sauce if you don't have time to make it on your own with no added sugar and some pasta even if you don't even have meat with it you can have a a a decent healthy meal without uh having the the fresh stuff in the fridge if it's not um easily accessible
0: yeah well caregivers don't have a lot of time and right you know, so therefore they eat junk, they open up a bag of chips or whatever. So um, what would you recommend to our caregivers out there who are struggling with this? They want to eat healthy, but it just, it seems like it's impossible.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I hear you. And like that bag of chips, not only will it not really fill anybody up, you know, that, that if it's been a consistent pattern, you know, that can lead to inflammation and lead to other, other things that just, compound maybe some of the other emotions that they may be feeling so if there's ever a population that is going to reach for those types of food like that's really not the best choice Uh, if you really want to feel good and be an optimal or even remotely optimal um you know condition to carry out uh just caregiving so um, shopping
0: too right bringing home healthy snacks you know cutting vegetables yes. up in bite-sized pieces and put them in the fridge and they're maybe in a glass mm-hmm. of water and they're just easy to grab because that'll fill you up.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that if, if, um, if there's a moment to think in the day, it's usually when for me, it's when I'm having my mm-hmm. cup of coffee. Cause I, I deal with this issue with a lot of people, especially working moms, uh, working parents, working individuals, just cause it's usually there's stress and there's, you know, just, uh, it, there's not a lot of time. So I think just being open minded that it doesn't have to take three hours in the kitchen. It does not, you do not need the Sunday three hour prep. If even if you're thinking about, I call them triggers. So if I'm having my coffee and I'm fast forwarding, because coffee is when I actually have a few minutes, I'm prepping food for children or I'm just, I got an extra minute. And so as I'm having my coffee, I'm thinking through what are the moments that are really going to matter today for me. To be at my best and how I want to feel today, and so that might mean that oh three to four when I'm in the car going here or there, I need to have a healthy option, and so it's not necessarily thinking big like the week what meals, and you know there are plenty of options that whether it's shipped or it's um, a delivery grocery service that aren't that, that isn't that. Expensive.
0: Everybody delivers that you. These add
1: to the mix. Yeah, it's a hack that, a life hack that can make it a little simpler for you to have some healthy options. But it's just, uh, we've just got to simplify how to make those choices and uh, just take it day by day.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't believe how fast our time's gone today. Yes. Uh, how can people uh, or our listeners reach you? If they want to know more yeah. about what you do, or if you have a book, or they can read your book or. Yeah, I've got, you know. got a
1: ton of content out on the internet. It's all at foodandmoodlab.com. and And right on the homepage, I've got a pretty active community on Instagram and, and um, Facebook. Uh, so you can access all of the social media right from the website, or if you're on Facebook, it's food and mood lab. Uh, it's keep it real with Amy on Instagram, but head over to foodandmoodlab.com and you'll, you'll find ways to connect with me.
0: That's easy to remember. Yeah. Um, and Debbie, how can people reach you to find out all the books that you've written and what you're doing these days?
2: The easiest way is mayordebby.com, M-A-Y-O-R and myname.com.
0: And I want everyone to remember that all our live shows become recorded pod and videocast on your favorite platforms. And my number one bestselling book, (laughs) Secrets from the Hammock, Uncommon Wisdom for Uncommon Times is spreading wisdom all over the world. It's available wherever books are sold. Also on my free membership website, caregiverdave.com, where you can also schedule a free 30-minute initial coaching call to talk about whatever it is you're struggling with. 30 minutes of wisdom can often resolve a debilitating problem. Again, caregiverdave.com. And don't forget my Facebook page, CaregiverDave online community of 34,000 caregivers, lots of tools, resources, videos, these radio shows, and more. Uh, Did you know that if you click the like or follow button on whatever platform you're watching or listening to this interview on, it helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So a true heartfelt thank you to all my listeners out there all over the world for tuning in every Wednesday and for my guests and my co-hosts for making us the number one caregiver radio show on the internet. So until next week, Same time, same channel. May God richly bless you all. Bye-bye. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our Welcome Pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live Weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story form posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver you can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope.